All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 200 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. Is uh, drinking water today on the pod. Hey, Frank, turning over a new leaf. Episode 200, ep, uh, Operation Get Down to 200. That's my goal. That's it's, your goal? Uh, Yep. So I've, I've set the course. I need to lose 94 pounds. I was inching close to three bills and I'm just starting with some baby steps, cutting out any calorie drinks. Yes. And next is going to be improving the diet, which I'm already working on as well. And then, then get to the workouts. Cause if I don't change my diet, I could work out as hard as I want. I'm not oh, going to lose any weight. It's a hundred percent true. Yes. And uh, drinking calories, Lilitha Taylor's a nutritionist I've had on the show uh, for many years. And she says, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make. Uh, she even said, uh, if you have a sweet tooth, you're almost better off having, well, you are better having a piece of cake than a bottle of pop. There's just so much sugar in a bottle of pop. And a lot of those energy drinks. Now, if you're working out, Frank, and you want to have a Gatorade, uh, during your workout? I, I got Gatorade zero. Yeah, that's it's actually fine, she says. It's actually good for your body because you have to replenish when you deplete it. But now that's good, man. I didn't uh, I didn't know you were at uh, 294, so uh, we'll encourage you. I was you probably along. drinking 1,000 calories a day. Not oh. an exaggeration. I would have like a venti whatever from venti caramel macchiato from Starbucks plus two cans of soda and some iced tea. 
What kind of now soda is what you Americans we call it pop. So what we when it's soda, I, lo- I love Coke. I love ginger ale. Oh. I like I like I like anything. Any oh, any right. soda. Okay, that's Terry, funny. As Terry a kid, Coke I love like, like Terry Coke is crack cocaine to me. <laughs> As a kid, I loved like Orange Crush and Grape Crush and lime, but I don't drink pop rarely ever. Um, and I just hate I hate water, so I've. Oh, yes. See, I think I the hard part is finding a water you like. And people are like, what do you mean? It's water. Like, no, like they actually have different textures and tastes. Yeah. That's why they make so many different brands. Just get a filtration system at home. I have that's one. I have. just don't like it. Yeah. Drink it. So F- Fiji is my jam. That's that's the water of choice. Fiji one, smart water two. All right. And I know it's bougie water, but I mean, whatever the... Whatever I was spending on pop and coffee and everything else, it's not going to be any more than paying for this water. Well, no, if you're going to do it, then go to the grocery store and buy it in bulk, and it's infinitely cheaper than buying it at the, you know, oh, yeah. for the moment. Water is the biggest farce uh, if you want to talk about overpayment ever. But, uh, well, that's good for you, man. That's, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll monitor it every few weeks and, uh, I look forward to uh, to seeing. Yeah, it's going to be slow. That's it's daunting. It's you'll be it's, surprised though. You will be surprised how quickly you shed weight when you have I that am, much. When you do your diet and water. I bet you you will be down because one of my coworkers once we we put him on a health thing like that, and in the first two months he lost fifty four pounds. So my part of my like I, I've been avoiding it to get to this point. I know anyone listening, they're like, who cares, Frank? But I, it's it's the psychological aspect of it. It's so overwhelming thinking about how much you have to lose. Yes. And that's really, so I've struggled with that part of it, to be honest. And I was talking to a guy that was one of my mentors breaking into the, to the business. He actually gave me my start, helping me get a credential for the first time. He went from 385. He's now down to 175. And he's like, look, he's like, look, buddy, my waist was 60 inches around. He's at the five feet. He goes, if I can, if I can lose all this weight and be in shape at the age of 52, he's like, there's no reason why you can't lose 94 and get down to 200. He said, it'll take you a year to do it healthy. One and a half to two pounds a week. Here's the roadmap. Here's the blueprint. He started off with a liquid diet for two weeks pure liquids said it was the hardest thing he's ever done. Lost 14 pounds that way. And then after that really reshaped his diet has cooked every meal somewhere between 2,200 and 2,500 calories a day, pretty healthy number and only works out three to four times a week. And just said, just be prepared for the long game and go walking. Honestly, that's the easiest thing you can do. Walking is one of the best exercises, most underrated activities. And you know what? Uh, As long as you're able, you're physically able to do it, I would recommend walking for everyone. You know, go with your wife. You know, your kids might want to be on the bike, but uh, go with your wife or yourself. Get up, boom, you'll love it. Put some, uh, you can listen to the pod, Frank. You can re-listen to your comments on the pod while you're walking. Episode 200, Operation Get Down to 200. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Well, let's get down to some, uh, some NHL talk. Uh, I do want to start with the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. And the uh, the Jets on December 31st, Frank, had the eighth best record in the National Hockey League. They looked like, hey, they were in cruise control. They're going to make the playoffs. And suddenly they have hit the ditch. They are now, they lost again to uh, Minnesota. 
They're 2-8 and 2 in their last 12 games. Since January 1st, they have the 22nd. Like, they're not even a – they would be a lottery team since January 1st. And now they are uh, Calgary, who who looked dead in the water, suddenly is four points back, which, which still means, you know, Winnipeg's in the driver's seat. But the Nashville Predators, with all their trades, the Nashville Predators, four games in hand – and, and they're within striking distance. You know, they're a .11 points percentage below Winnipeg and, and six points back with four games in hand. This is, you know, the Jets are going to have to turn things around quickly, Frank. They could be they could be skidding to another disappointing season after it looks so promising. Yeah, the biggest difference is it's not on Connor Hellebuck. It's the goals that they're giving up. It's not all on Connor Hellebuck. He's been the big reason why they were where they are. But to compare your sample size... From the start of the season until December 31st, the Jets were fifth in the league with 2.57 goals against per game. Yep. They're now down since January 1st until now, March 9th. They're now down to 14th at 3.11 goals per game. That's a half a goal per game difference, which over a 40-game span is 20 additional goals. That's a big deal. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. So I just, I'm kind of curious seem to be lacking some confidence now too. Don't like, don't they seem like they're, they're just kind of struggling to get it together. Well, I watched the first period against Minnesota last night. Like the San Jose game was, was awful. They gave up a tying goal in the last 10 seconds and then, uh, you know, gave up Couture a breakaway from his own blue line in overtime and a nice move in one. But last night they came out guns a blazing. That first yeah. period against Minnesota, they were I awesome. Watched, but then, I watched the entirety of that game and I was thinking, how did they not win this game? Yeah. And I know that, you know what, give their coach afterwards. He says, hey, I thought we played really well. And so if they can continue it. But now, Frank, their next sked here. That's why you mentioned they're struggling with confidence. They have Florida, Tampa, Carolina on the road, and then home to Boston. That's their next four games. Meanwhile, Calgary's playing Anaheim and Ottawa and Arizona. So, you know, the Jets, hey, if you want to beat a playoff team, you have to be competitive against the playoff teams. But um, here, we'll find here's out. Here's what I'll say. The Jets are the only team that the Cal- the Calgary Flames can catch. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And I and I I just don't see another team in the West falling out of the mix. No. But here's the thing: I'm not really a believer in the Flames. Like I think it's entirely possible that the Jets continue to sputter and still find a way to get in. Yeah, the only caveat to that is is that suddenly Jacob Markstrom looks like Jacob Markstrom. Well, right? that, small. that would change their season. Yes. But that has been the biggest difference. You know, the Flames were the last team in the NHL to give up 40 shots in a game, and Markstrom pitched a shutout uh, in overtime against uh, Minnesota. And, and if you look at it, because like, he's he's really been bad this year. He's got an 893 save percentage, but he's at least in his last few starts, he's showing some signs. Now, he wasn't great against Dallas, but, you know, he's showing some signs that Toronto game, the two Minnesota games where you're like, hey, if, if Markstrom can cut, and again, it's very small sample, but to me, that's their only hope because I don't think they have enough offense to 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 win a, a ton of games with by offense like they did last year. But they should. That's the thing. On paper, they should. Well, obviously, Hubert O should be better. No question. Well, that, that's my point. But like, how are you using this guy? Like, I, I made this point on the Barn Burner show earlier this week with our guys in Calgary. If you haven't checked out their show, it's freaking hilarious. Um, but like, look at 
the Huberto usage. He's down two and a half minutes per game from last year. Last year, he set an NHL record for most points ever scored in a single season by a left winger. Guess where he's played since Christmas? On the right wing. Yeah. Can you help me understand that and make sense of that? (laughs) I mean, I... I I, I seriously I think a huge part of what Calgary has gone through this year. Yeah, Markstrom's been a huge part of it. The goaltending has cost them anywhere between 8 and 12 points in the standings. But it's also been the coaching. And it, it's the reigning Jack Adams award winner that has just... He has really been a thorn in just about everyone's side there. And not in a good way. No, and that's fair. It's that that's going to be the, the off season. Like if the flames creep into the playoffs, then I'm very curious to see what management does. If you miss the playoffs, it's a much easier decision. Who is managing the team is an important question. Yeah. Brad tree living's in the last year of his deal. Hasn't gotten nearly the same attention as Kyle Dubas in Toronto, but he does. He hasn't signed an extension there. I think there have been talks. I think it's been cordial but I don't even get the sense that it's some hang up on money or anything like that. I think part of it is where's this team at right now? Where are they heading and who's going to be the person in charge? So let's say hypothetically, Frank, that they let him go. I always ask him like, okay, so, Oh, well, we didn't win. We didn't get it done. Yada, yada, yada. But you, you had your two top offensive players basically say, we're not coming back. The left and Kachuk asked for a trade. So, you know what? I thought in those circumstances, Jim did pretty well. I thought he did an incredibly admirable job filling those holes with as best he best pieces he could find. Yeah. So I always say this. If you want to fire him, great. Who's better to replace him? Who's a clearly better option? I think part of the issue is that if you consider it as a whole, Brad Tree Living is approaching nine years in the chair it's eight years, 10 months, and 10 days. And they've won exactly two playoff rounds. And both times they got dusted in the second round. Last year by Edmonton, 2015, it was by the Anaheim Ducks. Both times out in five. I mean, I, I, I really, I think the job that he did filling those voids, I, I this team should have been way better this year than they've been. Is that on the GM? I don't think so. But at the same time, if, you're, if you really are taking a step back to consider the overall 30,000-foot view, I think that part of it is you have to look at it and consider it. I think the, the, I think the Calgary Flames want Brad Tree living back. I don't know where it's going to go from here. Now, speaking of changes, what if the Jets slide out of the playoffs, Frank? And Kevin Sheveldayoff, now that David Poyle has announced he's done at the end of the year, then uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff would be the second longest tenor GM after Doug Armstrong. And the Jets, after last year and this year, do you think there would ever be a change there, or is he pretty cemented in with the ownership? It really feels like he's cemented in, but I... Their deadline really left me longing for more. I understand where they're at. This this whole this slide, we just talked about the time frame of it. This isn't new. 
that they've they've really been playing pretty poorly for six weeks now. Maybe that was his way of saying with these sort of marginal additions in Nemesnikov and Nito Rider that you're saying this team isn't ready to compete. They're not worthy of me trading a first-round pick for. The flip side to that would be, for one, you could cement your playoff spot by doing so, and two, outside of maybe Colorado, the West is wide open. Like, Would it shock you if the Jets got it together and Hellebuck played extremely well and they went on a deep playoff run on the back of Hellebuck? Well, anytime it wouldn't you have surprise a goal, me. It wouldn't shock me. Um, but to go on a deep run, would, I, I guess it would shock me because that means it'd be, they'd beat uh, Colorado. You know, I guess unless somehow there's the crossover and they're not playing and they end up in the Pacific Division. But like, would it surprise you to see Winnipeg beat Dallas? How much better is Dallas than Winnipeg? Yeah, fair point. How much better is Minnesota than Winnipeg? Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me. Colorado would be the one team. If they won, that would be a surprise to me. How much better are L.A. and Vegas and Seattle and Edmonton than Winnipeg? I think Edmonton is better, but not the other ones. I agree, but like my point is there are no definitive statements there. Why, like The Jets aren't any worse or better off than anyone else. No, well, that's why it's a, it's a curious one to me where, you know, it's a fine line making the playoffs, not making the playoffs. And, and will that impact uh, management? I would argue it probably shouldn't. If, if you, if you're talking the difference of one point, if you miss the playoffs by one point and, and then you, you know, that's the difference in keeping your job or not keeping your job. I, I think maybe you're focusing on not deep enough. Look at where you think the organization's going, but you know, it is fascinating when you look at Calgary, you look at Winnipeg, you know, there is lots of pressure in Toronto. And even if the Maple Leafs lost in the first round, I've argued, I think the GM's done his job. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it on, on the GM at all if they don't win in the first round. I would agree with you. And I would say, but after going through this, does the GM want to stay? That, I think, is the big question. After, same thing in Calgary, you know, when you, co- when you manage into the final year of your deal and you don't have that security blanket, are you sitting there saying, well, maybe I'll just go somewhere else. I don't need to deal with these headaches and this pressure. And Kyle Dubas, I think like Brad Tree Living, they'd get a job in five minutes. I think you would see another team somewhere else fire their manager to get Kyle Dubas. So hmm. if that's the case. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, why not just walk? Regardless of whatever happens, you know, I, I'm not saying he will or won't, but you know, heading into the playoffs that you, you know, people have been saying, oh, you're managing for your job all year. No one needs that headache. Yeah, fair. But I, I would counter it with, is so Kyle Dubas walks away from Toronto. He feels like he built it up and probably feels like he has unfinished business. So he leaves and we say, okay, other teams would fire their GM, but none of the other organizations would be, as competitive as Toronto. Like, do you see which other team? I don't teams- know. I could see another, I could see a situation like it doesn't take a lot of creativity to map out a path to see him somewhere else. Well, what about, okay, but- okay, so let's, let's work through it. So a new, a new ownership group comes in in Ottawa. Does oh yeah, he can go to Ottawa. But is, is Ottawa more competitive than Toronto is my question. Well, Kyle Dubas grew up a Sens fan. Yeah. 
but are they more competitive? Like, I, I, get well, I, I think you can make that. the argument with the pieces that they have. They might be the most fun team to take over. Yeah, no, there, there's some validity to that. They got a lot of good young players. There's no you, question. You, that's up that. to you as the manager to surround them with the right support pieces to get them over the hump and into the playoffs. And I guess if you really were, and I'm not Toronto, saying that Pierre Dorian's not coming back. I'm just saying that's going to be the first thing to address for the next ownership group is this general manager staying for this rebuild that's gone on for a while that they haven't been able to get over the finish line to the playoffs. Well, if Dubas really wanted to give it to Toronto fans, you go to Ottawa and you win a cup there. <laughs> I mean, look, look at, so let's look at some other teams where there might potentially be openings. There's been a ton of angst, people calling for the head of, of general manager, Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh. It seems premature to me, given that he hasn't been there that long, but they do have an ownership change since he got there and Fenway Sports Group. But is Burke going to want to bring Dubas in? I don't. I, who's saying that Brian Burke's going to be there? Mm. Yeah, I think all the moves that they made in Pittsburgh tell me that they're they're giving that they're giving their management team a few years because they just said, "Hey, we gave you the green light to go out and and keep." I don't know feeling the fight here with Granlund. Like they didn't go younger. They just, they also, I think said you, that, that directive of not trading our first round pick. I don't know that that came from Ron Hextall. It would match up with his, his thought process, but did that come from him or did that come from Fenway sports group? Yeah. Fair question. I don't know the answer to that. And I think it's an unenviable position to be in because I also think Fenway sports group was pounding their fist on the table last you know, last summer saying, you got to resign these guys. We need these guys yes. back. These guys are the fan favorites, the core of our team. Yep. So they do that on one hand. And then if, if they're here on the other end of it now, as you get close to the trade deadline saying, well, this team doesn't look very good. You can't trade your first round pick or we would advise against it. Well, that's not a great spot to be in. Which one is it? And then, yeah, then you've I, got then you've got Philadelphia, Chuck Fletcher. It certainly seems like a change is is on the horizon there. We know Barry Trotz is succeeding David Poyle in Nashville. I mean, are there is there the possibility for other changes? Dubas and Tree Living just trade cities. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> what I mean, so what happens if the Islanders miss? Does Lou Lamorello keep his job? Is that an unfair question to ask? Yeah, you know what's funny? I actually don't think the Islanders are going to miss. I don't think so either, but no. if if someone is going to miss, I don't think it's the Penguins. I think it's going to be the Islanders in the East. Well, I see the Pens and Florida's the only, I like Buffalo and Ottawa, I thought they had a great run. I still think Florida, of those three teams, Florida's the one that's going to knock out either the Islanders or Pittsburgh. Why do you think there's not more heat on I know like I know this season and the injuries probably give them a bit of cover, but it doesn't seem like there's been any speculation about the security of Yarmo Kekalainen's job in Columbus. Yeah, I think, you know, Frank, I think injuries are a major uh, a major reason of it. I think ownership group likes him. And I think it comes down to they, they made their move this year. They got all the injuries early on, and I think that derailed them, and they just said, okay, you know what? We're going to reset, start over. And, yeah, I think, let's be let's be honest, Frank. We saw in Edmonton when they won the Connor McDavid lottery, the management team when, was changed right away. 
And so could you see a similar thing among some bottom teams if they win Bedard? So was the general manager in Edmonton fired before or after winning the lottery? I know that I know that Peter Shirelli was hired after, but you're saying that the GM was fired. Craig McTavish came after. Yes. Because remember the draft lottery then happened during the season. It was like April 10th or right the day right after. I can't remember the exact date. Yeah, it was like a couple days yeah. after. And uh, and then they made the, the the change for the management team after. Hmm. And what a like what what a circus that created of like people jockeying to be the GM that builds around Connor McDavid. Yeah, I, I, I just think that's such a poor way to go about business. Well, no, that's valid, right? Hey, Craig McTavish would tell you, hey, wait a sec, right? Uh, I just drafted Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. They're pretty good picks. So, like, anybody, like, no offense, any idiot could have drafted Connor McDavid. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to pick him first overall. Just like this year, it's like, oh, who are we? Oh, we won the lottery? Geez, I wonder who we're going to take. And I understand why they don't announce it that day because, hey, you know what? Do you still want the supposed thrill? We all know it's going to be Connor Bedard, but I do wonder, Frank, if you t- if an organization of all of a sudden people, I'm not saying it's right, but people do change their thought process, thinking, oh, geez, now all of a sudden we've got Bedard. Is this this is going to change our path? So we got to make sure we got the right person. Yeah, just going back to Columbus, like, what are they? I, I think they've got some really nice young pieces coming. There's no doubt about that. Um, David Juracek, Denton Matichuk, like specifically on the back end, they're pretty well positioned and they've already transitioned guys like Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger to the NHL, but they've got a huge gap to bridge between like, you know, getting Zach Wierenski back will help, but between where they're at and where they need to get to, like we're talking about a 50 point change from where they are. Or it's going to be like 40, 35 or 40, but it's a huge gap between where they are and where they need to get to. How are they going to close that in one summer? Is it possible? Well, maybe also, not one summer, but like that, that wasn't the expectation. They spent $80 million last summer. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Elvis Merzlikens' play is a factor. Injuries are a factor. And, and honestly, like, if they win Bedard, and I've said this for five months, I think the best place for Connor Bedard, if I'm looking for him to want to have success early on, it's Columbus because there's Goudreau and Line A to play with. You look at Chicago, who's he got to play with? You look at Anaheim, like Trevor Zegers is center, right? Troy Terry's not Goudreau or um, or Line A. I like Troy Terry, but he, but he's neither one of those guys. San Jose just got rid of their best winger, so you know they're they're probably their most skilled forwards are two centers. I guess you could move one of them to the wing, but now it does have Carlson. So maybe that's the one caveat in San Jose, like Arizona, definitely not. So Uh, let's, I think Montreal and Montreal and Vancouver would be the next two Montreal, Vancouver. Well, Vancouver probably would be the best if I'm picking, but they have the, they're what six best odds now, right? Or Montreal because of Caulfield and Suzuki. And they got some skill there for sure. But Columbus, if you're just talking from allowing the kid to come in and have some skill guys to play with, it's a really good situation. But is it good for the league? I don't see why not. So let's cook up the reverse scenario. Like, what are the worst places for Connor Bedard to go? Well, I think it's I think it's obvious. It's Arizona. Like it's You're sending him into one. a dark hole. Yeah, you just 
You know, the, the only benefit of Bedard going to Arizona is it might expedite the fact that they'll get a new arena built. That would be the only thing. And I'm not even sure that that would do it. Yeah. I'm not sure that that would either. Yeah. So the odds today as of uh, March 9th, Columbus 25.5, San Jose 13.5, Chicago 11.5, Anaheim 9.5, Arizona 8.5, Montreal 7.5. Yeah, like sorry to Arizona fans. But that's the only market that I think would be bad. But Bedard going. I think to San Jose would be bad too. Well, they've had a pretty strong fan base for a long time, and they're it's not the fan base. It's just that years. where that team is. I I don't like. So let's say they win Bedard. How do they reboot with the team that they have? They're surrounded by anchor contracts. Yeah, but that's going to give them a really good value contract until Vlasic's done, right? You got to buy out Vlasic this summer. I don't see any way around they them not buying out Vlasic. Or you trade him to Arizona. <laughs> they seem to just love contracts for to get him to the floor. So Yeah, but they're not going to want that because it's actual real cash involved. Fair point. You'd actually have to spend. Yes, fair point. So, but like, honestly, let's let's say he goes to Santa. Like, what is their path to being being decent in a five year window? That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, what is Anaheim's path? Like, they don't have any defensemen. They've got yeah. a couple guys coming, but they're years away. They, they literally you, don't have NHL defensemen. But if you look at it, um, it's rare. Like, I know the orders made the playoffs in McDavid's second year, but then they missed it the two years. So they three of the first four years with the McDavid, they didn't make the playoffs. So wherever Bedard goes, like Columbus might have the quickest turnaround of those bottom teams or Vancouver. Cause I still think Vancouver is underachieved and with Demko out. But if you put him in Vancouver, it would uh, like, if you're a Canucks fan right now, you're drooling over that potential because Six him and Elias Pettersson, like that would, uh, that would be massive. If that would be huge for them. There's no question about it. What if it's and, someone like St. Louis or Detroit? Well, yeah, every organization would want them. Like, none of them would would be worse off because of it, right? Um, But what a reboot for St. Louis. Like, you've got Kyrou and Thomas, Krug on the back end. You just plug them right in. Yeah. You you, you made the same point about really low odds. Yeah, well, St. Louis is 5%. Yeah. It's not crazy different from Anaheim in the fourth spot at 9.5. Well, four percent, and that odds are fairly different. But yeah, it's like two to one almost. But I, uh, you know, it, it'll be fascinating to see. Like, imagine if if you, what about a team like Washington, Frank? Because now, because currently they're the they're last team that has a chance, right? They're eleventh. They're eleventh, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anybody listening, the new odds this year in the NHL draft, it's only the uh, the you can only move up ten spots. So the eleventh place team, eleventh worst, they can go to one. Twelve can only go to two. Thirteen to three, etc. So that's how it'll work. And, you know, you look at the Capitals, like they, you know, they would look and say, because it's funny, Frank, if you look at, like, look at Edmonton. Edmonton fans have been, and Edmonton and Pittsburgh fans, without question, are the most spoiled fans, I would argue, in the history of the NHL since the league expanded. Because you had Gretzky and Edmonton, right? You had McDavid throwing Messier and coffee and all those guys. But then you had Jagger and you had, oh, Lemieux and, oh, Sidney Crosby and, oh, Jenny Malkin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl throwing Edmonton. You look at Washington, if they would go from Ovechkin to getting Bedard, they would feel like, hey, 
We're now in the mix of Edmonton and Pittsburgh and the other fan bases would hate it. And I understand why I totally get why there's a lot of animosity towards Edmonton from other fan bases. Cause they're like, are you kidding me? You had Gretzky and now you get McDavid. Oh, and dry Like, although dry kind of fell into their lap from Buffalo, not taking him, but um, you know, and same with Pittsburgh, I guess with Jaeger cause he dropped to number five that year in 1990. But I just, I think Washington would be the fascinating story of all. Because you could have Connor Bedard assisting on Alex Ovechkin's game, a record-breaking 895th goal. Yeah. One could dream, but there's a 97% chance today that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, hey, so tell me there's a quite, chance, though, Frank. That's all you quite, need. Look, quite literally look, look, what the odds are. Look at Carolina and Philly. Look at those teams that moved up to now, not to number one, but they moved up to number two with pretty low odds. So it's happened before. I agree that it's it's unlikely, but it has happened. And you know, you if you're one of those teams sitting in the draft lottery in like the this eight spot, and because eight has won once the lottery. Now they did back then; they only moved up to number four. That was in 2011, but it has happened, right? So you, I'm just thinking be- from a league and team perspective, trying to rank the teams that would be the worst potential fits. I would go Columbus one. San Jose two, no, sorry. Columbus one, Arizona two, San Jose three, Anaheim four. You think Columbus is the worst fit? No, from a playing perspective, yes. But putting him in, honestly, like if you were to, and this, like, I, I'm not, I'm not ripping the Columbus franchise by any stretch of the imagination, but they are one of the most anonymous teams in pro sports. If you if you gave us a general sports fan, like not a hockey fan, you put a Columbus logo on your phone and said, name this team, they couldn't do it. But if I'm got, telling you, 95% shot, they don't name the team. Yeah, you're probably right. But from a playing perspective, though, and I get it from a, a, a notoriety, but from a playing perspective, they got way more talent than Yeah, Arizona. no, it's it's fine. It's good from a playing perspective. And like I, I just talked about their defense. Okay, so you're doing it from a league perspective? Yeah, a league oh, okay. perspective. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you said playing. Columbus 1, Arizona 2, San Jose 3, Anaheim 4. Those are my four teams in order. Am I crazy? Well, I still have Arizona worse. Like there's like, to me, that's, that's the biggest kick in the junk when you say that Arizona is not worse from a league perspective than Columbus. Well, but at least Arizona might actually like literally save the franchise. But is it worth saving? How many fans do they have? Columbus fans, man, they're pretty loyal. Right. I Fifth agree. Line. Just, just, yeah. Yeah. I like Columbus. And then so bias. I, I like Columbus city, too. So. I actually like going there. I like their arena. I like the arena district. I like everything about it. It's just that, they don't move the needle. They don't. The yeah, but, Ducks don't move the needle. Here's, here's my example, Frank. For decades, the Golden State Warriors were awful. And no one cared about the Golden State Warriors for decades. Steph Curry, they changed everything. They changed everything. And so I think they Bedard, played in an enormous city in California. Well, now they're in San Fran, but they weren't. They weren't in the Golden State. Was kind of in the dreads. That's why they they're moved. one of the big markets in the country. Yeah, but they were. They were, dude. The Golden State compared to the Lakers, the Clippers were probably more popular than Golden State for the longest time. Okay, so I think how big could Columbus to- possibly get? They're not going to start pulling in fans from other cities. 
People aren't going to magically become Columbus Blue Jackets fans because of Connor Bedard. Oh, I, th- people, I think people people did become Oilers fans in addition to what their fan base, which is already big. People did become McDavid fans. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think you you will have people in Columbus who who aren't hockey fans now who will become fans if they get Connor Bedard. Not instantly, because very few 18-year-olds, even even Connor McDavid, he was good at 18. He wasn't what he is now. It's very hard. And so the other thing that that's why I think Columbus is good, because the expectations on Bedard, as crazy as it is, they might be higher than they were on McDavid. And I think it's foolish. Like, I try to, I see people trying to compare Bedard, and I'm like, guys, like, he's not McDavid, and that's not a knock on him. I know he's scoring it at ridiculous rates now in junior. He's going to go down as the best player of all time. Connor McDavid. McDavid. This season is like top three all time in NHL history. Yeah, I think he has to do a few more to go down as top of all time because that's what Gretzky. Oh, oh he will. Uh, I'm saying he's never going to get to Gretzky's numbers because the game has just never. The, the it was a totally different game then, but relative to that, I think his numbers are going to stack up quite well when it's all said and done. Yeah, and hey, if he gets to two thousand points, the, you know what? It's still going to be low. It's, It'll, it'll at least make it a conversation. Whereas, you know, I know the Mew fans will be like, hey, wait, it was a conversation. No, it never was a conversation because he didn't even have the same points per game despite playing fewer 500 fewer games. It's harder to maintain a high points per game the longer you play. That's a fact. And so the fact that Lemieux, despite all his injuries, still couldn't have in 500 fewer games, I'm sorry. It's not mm-hmm. there. Now, McDavid won't have the points per game. And you're right, Frank, the game has changed. But I'll say this about McDavid. If he, like Gretzky was leading the league by 79, 76, 75, it was stupid. If McDavid dominates his peers by 40 points year after year, then I think he's in. That's what he's doing right now, right? Yeah, it's one year, but that's why I said Gretzky did it for six straight years between 65 and 79 points where he was higher than the scariest part. Yeah, that was nuts. The scariest part is that Connor McDavid is really just hitting his prime in this league. 100%. I don't think he's, he's, the eight, I don't even think he's gotten to the top of the age curve yet. No, I'm with you on that one. Like, you know, a I lot think of his people... game has just continued to get better and better. You see the goal scoring this year. The 54 goals he scored to this point are not an accident. And the the way with ease with which he scores goals, that's the scariest part. Like, I he could I think he could consistently be a 70 goal scorer. It's 65 to 70 in that range. Wow. I hope he's so. Gonna, he's going to be there this year. He's going to be, a, he's, he's on pace for what? 68. Yeah. I, I hope he's like, I'll say become a fifth, uh, like a consistent 50 goal man. Cause that's hard to do. Ovi. And then no one else. It's amazing really that this is the first year he hit 50. Think about that. Oh, I know. And he's done it with a quarter of the season to go. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't, we don't talk about it enough because there's no nothing else to say. There's no superlatives to add. There's no what more do you say other than Connor McDavid is unbelievable. Like the, you know me, Frank. I love looking up stats and I love looking up historical stats. And and you look at McDavid's season. Like 150 points is the only reason he doesn't get there is if he misses some games down the stretch. It's the only way he doesn't. He's absolutely shredding the league. He's got a really good chance to surpass Steve Eiserman's 155 points, which means only Gretzky and Lemieux would be more uh, the, at the rate he's going. Only Gretzky will have outscored his peers in a single season. Right, the the gap between first and second place. Uh, Lemieux was at 31 points. And um, 
McDavid's trending to be higher than that. And then obviously Gretzky was 65 plus. No one's ever going to touch that. Uh, here's another one, Frank, though, of uh, streaks. McDavid just had his 11th uh, scoring. Uh, he's currently in his 11th scoring streak of 10 plus games. That puts him 14th all time. And he's only four out of second place. So there's another one. Like Gretzky's had 31 of them. And that's consistency of going all the time and getting points. Like McDavid had points in 43 of his last 45 games. 43 of 45. Like crazy. It's, it's crazy that the odds when Tyler does like our daily bet segments on daily face off live, like when you're looking at him, like he's now reached the point where like you have to bet on him to score two goals. It's yeah, not two will goals. he score one goal. It's will he score two goals in a game? Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It's phenomenal. It's, and I hope people around the league appreciate it because I think, and I understand opposing fan bases get a little sick of it because they're like, well, this guy's just kicking the crap out of our team. It sucks. So I understand it. But I do want, before we get to Tyler, I want to ask you this question because this was brought up on our show because the Bruins are playing the orders tonight. The Boston Bruins are having, could have the greatest single season in NHL history. Most wins are on pace for 64 and most points 136. So you're asked, and, and keep in mind, this is only regular season. Has nothing to do with the playoffs. I'll repeat that. Nothing to do with the playoffs for our listeners. If you were a fan, would you want to watch a team have the season Boston Bruins are having or an individual of your team have the season McDavid's having? Well, if you're a fan, you'd want the team, right? Every night you win. Yeah. But here's Venus the thing. Allmark has four losses the entire goddamn season. Yeah. What's well, here's another one for you. What's more impressive, the scoring triple crown, goals, assists, and points, or the goaltending triple crown of goals against average, save percentage, and wins? And Allmark this year leads all goalies in goals, which is nah. bananas as well. And he's like, actually number. This, number one what, in which season is more impressive, Olmark or McDavid? Well, I'll say Probably McDavid because he plays McDavid. every game. Yeah. Yeah, he plays every game. But but seriously, though, Olmark's, Olmark's year, like, we haven't seen one like this from a goalie since Carey Price won the heart. Yeah. Now, I think we've had more goalies win the Triple Crown than players leading goals and assists and ultimately points. Part of the problem is Olmark is only on pace for... Uh, he's all, he's on pace for 50 games played. Yeah. It's sort of the very new NHL, mm-hmm. but still yes. 938 save percentage, oh, he's being a buck 89 goals against, and 32 four and one is his record. So you know what, Frank? I put that and I asked our listeners in Edmonton, by the way, and it was split because you're right. A lot of people said what you said. Well, I want my team to win, and another said, okay, but if you're telling me I'm making the playoffs either way, and then everything resets yeah, but in the that's, playoffs, that's yeah. Because people are like, I'd rather be, because here's the thing, and here, here is my counter to it. The Boston Bruins are so methodical in a lot of their games that they that just win, boring. which yeah. is great. But McDavid will do stuff a few nights. You're just like, what? I got to rewind that. Like, Boston's penalty kill is so damn good, but no one's out of their seat. Did you see that penalty kill? Oh, my goodness. Unreal boxer in the lane. Just doesn't happen. right? So, I would say... The two worst things to cover as a sports writer were a team that was lights out good and no shot bad. It was always the, the, the best team in the league and lapping everyone is not really any fun. 
But here's what I will say when you ask this question too. The Boston Bruins season has been more celebrated than Connor McDavid's season. And that's not right. Hmm. Interesting. I never thought you think. Yes. Okay. No one knows what to say about McDavid. It's just been so, he's been so good for so long that him ratcheting it up to the next level, him doing something jaw dropping. But he's never done this. Like he's never. I know. That's my point. This is what this is what my point was last year when he. I think he should have won the Hart Trophy. See, I don't think so. Actually, I thought Matthews Matthews' season was unreal. Okay. But the best player on the planet set new career highs in goals, assists, and points last season. The yes. undisputed best player on the planet. Literally, yeah, he takes it to another level. We were like, ah, let, we're infatuated with the idea of Austin Matthews hitting 6-0. Well, in 70, in one games, and there's goals for. But keep in mind, Frank, I think the fact that McDavid's point totals the year before were actually higher. He just played fewer games. So, and I brought this up earlier this week on Daily Face Off Live. Why are people not talking about Austin Matthews having arguably the second most disappointing season of any superstar in the league? Let's get into that on uh, on Monday. I like it. We can break down some numbers. Uh, let's get to uh, Ty Uremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I am doing great, guys. I'm ready to go with a new edition of Buy or Sell, brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada tonight. I believe, don't know for sure, I think it's the first time in over a month that you're actually getting even money or better on Connor McDavid to find the back of the net. And considering he got two against the Bruins last time they met, maybe not a terrible spot. Um, Also, our friends at PointsBet Canada have odds up for the Hart Trophy still. If you want to uh, put 100 bucks on Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy, you will profit $1. So uh, not exactly not exactly great odds right now on 97, but at this point feels like a free dollar. I'm going there with my uh, first question. McDavid hitting 70. You buying, buying or selling? I'm selling. Ooh. Yeah, I, I just... The, the, the odds aren't... Uh, not odds. The... The pace isn't there, and for him to get there, it, it's easy to change that in in a couple games. You know, you have a five, you have a hat trick, a five goal, five goals in two game span. That's you're going to get a huge boost. I, I just, I don't think we're going to quite get there. I think it's in the. I said sixty four for a while. I've opted to sixty seven, but I'm not getting to seventy. Well, I think we had this question a while back, and I said sixty nine. So oh, yeah. I'll stick with nice. it. But here's the, here's the caveat. Nice. They play the Sharks three times, the Ducks twice, and Arizona twice. Those could Can be the. I, so get, I did. I need to say this. Multiple goal games there because I looked it up, and you mentioned the Ducks. Here's their actual defense core that they are icing right now: Cam Fowler, still good. Kevin Shattenkirk, on the last couple holes of his career, and then it's Nathan Beaulieu, Colton White, Simone Benoit, and Scott Harrington. It's legit. Who? Solid. Nathan Beaulieu, Colton White, Simone Benoit, Scott Harrington. Yeah, Part of the Timo Meyer trade and then put on waivers and claim by the That's a hard yikes. Uh, second question I got for you guys. Finally, we have playoff races to talk about in each conference. I'm going to say the gap between 8th place and ninth place in each conference 
will be less than four points at the end of the season. Frank, you buying or selling? Less than how many? Four. So like three, oh, two, I or buy one. that all day long. Both. So, so it's going to come down to like the last three days of the regular I think it's going to come down to the last like 10 days. Okay. Jay? But it'll buying. be in the month of April, which is a nice change. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, definitely the East last year. The East wasn't even a race. Um, yeah, four. I think it's three. But I don't like. I, I'd love it to be one, but I think it'll be three. All right, and for this last one, I am just saying two words. You got to buy or sell on these two words: Houston Coyotes. <laughs> buy. <laughs> I, I truly don't I, – I have real doubts as to whether or not this referendum passes. From everyone that I've talked to that has boots on the ground there, they're saying the anti-arena movement has done a way better job of mobilizing the vote, that the Coyotes haven't done nearly enough work in the space to push this over the top. Now, something goofy could happen, like you just said. The Coyotes could win the lottery, and, and they get Bedard, and all of a sudden the, the people in the city and the fan base are excited – that's possible, but if they don't, I think the NHL has to pull up stakes this year and move to Houston. This is going to be a shotgun, you know, go from Atlanta to Winnipeg type of thing because it's just reached that that point. Their revenues suck. They're playing in a 4,500-seat arena, although it's nice and the atmosphere has been better. It's never been a long-term solution, and they will have, if this referendum fails, no path to a long-term solution. And that is what Gary Bettman has stressed to them after supporting them for two decades. Stop thinking about the temporary and start working on the permanent. And if this doesn't work out, I don't know where they turn. I'm going to sell because I think Kansas City uh, might be a but Kansas City, I think, is probably a better option. If I look at the success the NHL has had in cities that don't have other competition in the winter, like once the Chiefs are done and the Chiefs only play once a week uh, and they got that new facility there. I think there's and they got I think there's people that are a little bit more in tune. Everything I hear about the Rockets is. They're they're kind of lukewarm on on having a hockey team just yet. So well, that's, a, although I think Houston makes sense from from an NHL because obviously it's way bigger. So I understand that, but it's a I'm shitty kind of intrigued sports by Casey. town as well. Houston, yeah. it, Houston yeah. is just trans, it's transient. There's a lot of people that aren't from Houston that yeah. work there. Um, but what I will say though, the intoxication that the NHL has with being in Phoenix because it's the fifth largest metro market. To move to the fourth in Houston is a win, and it's an NHL-ready building, and they have potential ownership if Alex Maruella wants to sell, and it lines perfectly in the central just like Kansas City does. I just, I get Kansas City, and I get the arena part of it. They have it ready-made. It's just that Houston's way bigger, and it's way more attractive for a lot of reasons. There you go. That's a wrap on another edition of Buy or Sell Delivered by PointsBet Canada. Ty, stick around because I'm going to ask you and Frank a question. We got a wrap. Yeah, we got two minutes. <laughs> Do you guys know what the NHL, and I'll give you a hint. So this year, the most face-offs in one regular season game are 81 total. Do you know what the NHL regular season record for most face-offs? Keep in mind, they have, they've only tracked it for 25 years in 97, 98. Why would I know? Like, why would anyone know no. this? Well, just wait till I tell you the answer. I know it's usually around, like, when they set the lines. Because you can bet on how many face-offs there are in a game. The line oh is usually God, around 64. Sick. 
sick bastards. So guess what the record is? I'll say 84. No. 148. So that's okay. more than two a minute? Tell 2. us why 2. this matters. 2.27 face-offs per minute in a hockey game. It happened two times in a span of three days in uh, November of 97. There's only three games in NHL regular season history that have had face-offs over 100 total. The uh, Red Wings and Blackhawks in 98 had 101, so that's barely. But then the, the Islanders and the Blackhawks on November 8th had 141. And three days earlier, the Oilers and the Islanders had 148 face-offs. In, and now it was a 65-minute game. But Doug you've yet to tell us why this matters. Doug, wait, to, because it was Nick Bukestad, people were all like, oh, he went 10 for 10 in a game. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, Bo Hor- but the record is actually... Bo Horvat went like 28. He won 28. Or no, yeah, but he went 17 and 0, right? Yeah. He went 17 and 0, him and Bergeron in, in, uh, recently. But... 54 face-offs by one player in a game. There's lots of games now that don't even have a total of that. It's just the thing. Think about how many stoppages that are, guys. Do you remember the game? Think about these two minutes of my life that I'll never get back. I'm just showing you how different the game is, Frank. Uh, Today today in useless Jason Gregor trivia. That's right. I love it. I'll guarantee you no one would ever get that one. Yeah, I love well, it. Little bar trivia. You win the prize. That's something Play you can bring up with your buddies when you're having wings at the bar. I like. Hey, Frank, it. a game that you saw. Maybe you remember your Flyers and the and the Penguins. Got to give me a year. Quintuple overtime. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the record. They had 159, and they played five overtime periods. That was the day of my my grade five class trip to Baltimore. I listened Ooh. to the game on the radio on the way back on the bus. That's great. Keith Primo. Yeah. All right, got to roll. Nice. Okay, boys, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight 
cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.